uh, you're in for fun today because instead of having one homily, I've got three. And I figure 20 minutes apiece. So just sit back and relax. I'm dead serious about having three homilies. <coughs> in one sense, they don't even relate. But they all have one thing in common. They are, uh, they speak about my heroes. Because I really do have some heroes in my life. I have many heroes. Some of you are amongst my heroes. Maybe all of you. Maybe all but one of you. <laughs> but I want to talk about some heroes. First of all, I have some new heroes. And I am so deeply grateful for them. They can't spell orthodox, I don't think. And I don't even know if they could say it in English. Because none of my new heroes speak English all that well. My newest big hero is Maribel. Maribel is marvelous. I suppose she's somewhere in her 40s. She's been working in uh, convalescent homes, I think she said, for 29 years. And then, along with Maribel, Guillermo and... Uh, Armando, they're my heroes because they took care of Mary Ellen for six weeks. And the stuff they did, not just for her, but for the people they took care of, taught me a new lesson about what it means to serve in humility. Maribel, this is crude has been wiping people's bottoms for 29 years, and I never saw anything but a smile on her face. And she made, especially those first hours in the convalescent home for Mary Ellen, hours that were filled, that took away some of the fear and made her comfortable. They're on call. I don't know how many hours a week Maribel weeks. Probably not legal. She loves to work and she loves to serve and she actually, I think she loved my wife. I'm not sure Armando wanted to be a servant, but he was. They taught me. They taught me. Angie taught me. Because they served in such meekness and such humility. And I'll tell you what Maribel taught me above everything else. She gave me some new insight into blessed are the poor. Or, Luke, blessed are the poor in spirit, Matthew. Maribel was born somewhere in Mexico. She told me, but I didn't know where it was. I think she was the sixth child. And I, her mother died, I think, when she was two or three. She was raised by her oldest sister. When it rained, the water poured through the roof. When her sister cooked meals, she had to add water to the milk so everybody would get something. She was poor. She's not illegal because she couldn't work where she is if she were. But she's been poor. And I believe she's blessed, and I thank God for Maribel, for what she did for my wife, 
but for what she did for me. For what she did for Jerry Johnson, who was in the next bed. For what she did up and down the halls of the home. I'm thankful for Armando. I'm thankful for Guillermo. Guillermo lived just a few feet of where you and Father John lived when you first came to Isla Vista. He didn't live there then. That was many, too many years ago. So I'm so, I'm so thankful for these people. They're heroes to me. They made Mary Ellen's life so much better. Oh, the nurses were fine. The doctors were fine. And, but I wouldn't call them heroes. But I'd call Maribel a hero. I'd call Armando a hero. I'd call Guillermo a hero. I'd call Gigi a hero. I don't even know if they could understand what I say. I'm thankful for them. Now this morning I have a second group of heroes. And it would be utterly inappropriate if I didn't talk about my second group of heroes today. I guess I'm the last man standing. I'm the last. My friends are all gone. And they're my heroes. If you didn't know them, you missed something so rich. They were such good men. Sometimes people criticize them. If you criticize them, you did not know them. They were men of integrity. I didn't even belong in the group. Father Richard, so steady. He had just one speed. Not fast, not slow. Like Goldilocks, just right. And he loved you. Every one of you. And he didn't even have a favorite. And he didn't even have anyone he liked least. What a remarkable man. Father Jack, the smartest man I've ever known in my life. You know, he ended up just teaching postdoctoral students at Penn State. Remarkable man. By the way, the best person, best man I ever saw in a library. He could find anything. It's astonishing. I mean, you find it in 20 minutes. It's just astonishing. But what a good man. What a compassionate man. What a man who had guts. From a professor at Penn State to the streets of Berkeley in bib overalls. Working with street people and students. What a remarkable man. I saw people challenge his integrity and they were fools because his integrity was impeccable. Father Peter. Oh. Occasionally people criticize Father Peter. They never met him. The person they saw, if they criticized him, was not Peter Gilquist. 
He was genuinely humble. <laughs> One of the most humble men I ever met. And the statement I would make about Father Peter over and over again, what you saw is what you got. Never was there an error put on by him anything besides what he is. I can fool you. I can. I can put on an error. I'm actually pretty good at it. But he didn't. Probably could have. And I'll tell you a little more about Father Peter in a few moments because I want to show you how the will of God gets done. <laughs> Father Gordon Walker. When Mary Ellen was a little girl, she was taught a song. Wasn't a very good song. The song went like this. He sees what you do. He hears what you say. <coughs> My God is writing, writing, writing all the time. And Melissa, that's all your dad did was write and write and write. He would sit in our meetings and he would write and write and write. He kept track of everything, everything. A remarkable man, a compassionate man. And he was what you see is what you got. By the way, he was a very, very, very smart man. But a man of integrity. I'll come back to him. Ken Bourbon. Genuinely a servant. Some people thought he didn't belong amongst us. Well, then they didn't, they, if you thought that, you didn't even understand the whole program because it had nothing to do with deserving anything. We were sort of the off-scouring. And Burb got to be a part of the off-scouring. But he was genuinely a servant. No, he wasn't a great theologian. No, sometimes he didn't get the concepts. That's true. Didn't change anything. He just served. A really good servant. Sort of the Maribel type. I don't think the Easbys would be in this parish if it weren't for Father Ken Bourbon. One more. One more. Ray Nethery. Only a handful of you know who he was, or is. He came to the funeral. Uh, he and his wife came to Father Gordon's funeral. He should have been with us but he didn't finish with us because he couldn't submit. He couldn't submit because if you're going to work together, he's a good man. He really is. He's a good man. He recruited Father Peter and me for Campus Crusade for Christ in Minneapolis. Without him, none of you would be in this parish because this parish wouldn't probably be here. But he didn't stay in the seven. He left. And he said, told us why. He would not submit. Didn't mean he's not a good man. But he didn't submit. If you're going to work together as seven, if one doesn't submit, he becomes the boss. And he couldn't serve as the boss. Now, I've got a couple of other comments on these. Men of integrity. Really, men of integrity, godly men. If there were a street fight, if there were a brawl, spiritually 
or physically? Which one of those seven would you want in your corner? Your dad, Melissa, he was so tough. Back Father Gordon Walker into a corner and you had a beehive on you. And he didn't let up. Either you quit, no, you quit. Because he wouldn't. But he, we were in Colorado Springs one day, and he got so mad. Not angry, mad. And he stormed out, <coughs> and he packed his stuff. And he started, he started walking down the road. It was a 1,000 miles to anything. He said, it's the only time God ever spoke out loud to me in my life. And he said, God told me to sit down, shut up, and go back. And he did. He did. Oh, tough man. I guess it's that, I guess it's that Palmerdale, Alabama. No, it's part of it. It was God. Let me tell you a little bit about how the will of God gets accomplished. You know who the leader of the seven were, don't you? The youngest. Pete Gilquist. Why did we choose him? Some of you know the answer to this, by the way. Why did we choose him to be the leader? You know? Because he was the youngest. And we knew that we couldn't function. I mean, all of us were leaders. All of us were significant leaders in Campus Crusade for Christ. We had scores of staff members under us. We directed many, many people. We knew it wasn't going to work unless we put the youngest in charge. Now, that's sort of a silly reason, isn't it? Now, let me tell you why God chose Father Peter to be the youngest. Because without him, it would have been almost impossible for us to come from the EOC to the Orthodox Church because for whatever reason, Metropolitan Philip just loved Father Peter. He never stopped loving Father Peter. There was a very unique relationship between those two. Every time Father Peter would go to Metropolitan Philip, he got exactly what he wanted. The rest of us could go to Metropolitan Philip and he'd say, well, we'll have to see about that. Yeah. No, I, God chose Father Peter to be the leader for a very different reason than we did. And God got his will done. I want to pay tribute to my brother. Why am I the last? You know, Father Gordon had a really good gene pool, too. I mean, there's some centenarians in his gene pool. You know why I think God let me stand last? To give me more time to repent. I'm dead serious. I didn't belong in that group. They were far beyond me. Such 
loyal friends. Father Richard is the most loyal human being I have ever heard of, let alone know. You better have never said a nasty word about me to Father Richard, or you suddenly became his friend. But if he called you his friend, you weren't. Because when he had hair, and he said, my friend, his hair flopped down over his face, and his finger was in your face, and you, had, you better back down. But he never defended what was wrong. But he's so loyal. Remarkable men. All of them remarkable, including Ray Nethery. All remarkable men. You need to be thankful for them as much as I do. Because this parish really wouldn't exist. This would, this would be a vacant lot without these men. I am so thankful for them. I'm thankful I was allowed to be a part of them. And I hope, as the last one standing, that I honor them by what I do. That's homily number two. Homily number three. Not long. In the Traparian of the Transfiguration, it says the Lord revealed to his disciples his glory. And then there's a little clause, just a little clause, as far as they were able. Now, when Peter, James, and John were on the mountain, I'm smarting off now. When Peter, James, and John were on the mountain, where were Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, Judas, and Bartholomew? Where were the nine? while the three were on the mountain. That wasn't fair. It had nothing to do with fair. It had to do with mercy. They weren't able to bear. Didn't mean there was something morally wrong with them. They just weren't able to bear with it. Look, Peter, James, and John just skated by by the skin of their teeth. I mean, this Lord... Let us build three tabernacles thing wasn't exactly appropriate. They just barely made it. The nine weren't able to bear it. Did that make them bad? No. The heart of sermon number three today. If God grants you to see something, at that moment, you... Became, become responsible for knowing it and for how you act upon it. If you don't understand something, you need to thank God for his mercy. Because if you did understand it and you didn't act appropriately, you will suffer judgment. It was mercy he didn't take the nine. Mercy. You know, that was the second time Moses showed up on a mountain, right? Or the second mountain that Moses showed up on. Moses showed up on Mount Sinai. Sinai. 
That was a scary place. Moses, the lawgiver, met with Christ. Well, he met with the eternal Son of the Father on Mount Sinai when he got to 10. That was a scary mountain. You know what the people said while Moses was up there? Don't let God talk to us. We don't want to hear anymore. And Moses said, I'm full of fear and trembling. When God shows you himself, you become totally responsible, and you better act accordingly. Now, sometimes you think you don't understand the Orthodox faith very well. Isn't that correct? Uh, I don't think any of you would volunteer to say, I understand the doctrine of the Holy Trinity perfectly. I hope none of you would say, I thoroughly understand the mystery that will occur this morning as bread and wine become the body and blood of Christ. Once you do, you're responsible, and you better act accordingly. Did Peter, James, and John act accordingly? They did. Did Moses act accordingly? He did. And we need to act accordingly. Why would it be, why would it be that we might not understand? Why, why might we not get it? Well, the Lord said one thing for sure, hardness of heart. Why do you speak to them in parables, the disciples said. Do you know why Jesus spoke to the people in parables? It was mercy. Because had they understood it, they had to act accordingly. It was mercy to speak to them in parables. He loved them. And the main reason for them, he said, having eyes to see, they see not. Having ears to hear, they hear not. For the heart of this people has grown fat, and with their eyes they barely see, and with their ears they barely hear. For the heart of this people has grown fat not the only reason why you might not see. Some of you don't see, perhaps, because you say, I know that. If you say, oh, I understand that, you don't. You don't. You're going to tell me that you thoroughly understand the mystery? You're better off than the 12. No. Sometimes it's just just the, the arrogance, or not even be arrogance. It's just, oh, yeah, I know that. doesn't work. You know why I often don't understand what I see and hear? Because of fear. Fear! Oh, if I understand that, I know I've got to be responsible for that. And sometimes I'm fearful about what that might call for. That's dangerous. Oh, God is rich in mercy. And to his servants, to those that come to him, he will give you what you need. He will show you what you need to know as far as you are able, finish my statement, to bear it. As far as you're able to bear it. You have a prayer today?
I'll give you a prayer to pray for the rest of this divine liturgy. Oh, Lord, make me more able to bear it. Make me more able to bear it. Give me the grace to be responsible. Thank God for our heroes, the Maribels, my brethren, and my even greater heroes, the Twelve. Thank God for them and what they teach us. And ask God to make you able to bear more.